Okay. Uh, well, first of all, hello. Thank you for thank you for accepting to do this interview. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, so I'm going to start right away with the first question. Um, one of the ways Cuban people can participate in Cuban politics is through these uh, ad hoc uh, mass consultations to the Cuban populations by the government at, uh, at all levels. Can you describe what these are, having lived through many of them uh, in this uh in today's transitional period of the Cuban Revolution, uh, for example, the lineamientos from 2016 to 2021, and the referendum for the uh, new constitution in 2019. Okay, Kevin, uh, but I would like to, before I answer that question, I would like, because you're so interested in questions concerning democratic participation in Cuba, could you leave me a, just a few minutes, one or two minutes, to tell the audience what I mean by participation? Because it really has many meanings. Can I do this before answering your question? Oh, yes, of course, please. Okay. Well, it, I, I have to say that even democratic participation um, has many, needs to be uh, have a, um, a, a real meeting if it's uh, an ad another adjective, because um, participation can even go in a, fas in a fascism way. Fascism has even showed and shows today its capacity to mobilize millions. So it's not just a question of participation. So in the case of Cuba, um, I... I have to be, make it clear that Cuban participation has to do with a sort of a top-down, bottom-up process whose goal is to, let's say, um, elevate the standards of living and the ways of living for the whole population, right. mainly those with the lowest incomes and the most discriminated in terms of race and your incomes. So this top-down, bottom-up process of participation in Cuba I label it and we all label it as transition towards socialism because we think it's the only way to really raise capitalism, at least in my country. Now, um, these participatory transitions um, could not be fulfilled simply with ideas, notions coming from the grassroots mo uh, movements, from, from the bottom up. Uh, this is a top down, bottom up, map process because it means that um, first it is defined from the top at least the leadership with a holistic comprehensive pro with holistic comprehensive programs of governing to change society in order to uh, benefit all citizens but at the same time it needs the top needs the leadership needs to promote participation from the grassroots from the bottom in order to test the gains and mistake of the top bottom decision. If it doesn't do this, it won't work. So uh, now, say having said this, I would go into your, please, your first question, because we've made a lot of mistakes and lots of gains also during all these process of top down, bottom up, of, trans, of um, transition towards socialism. And by the way, a socialism that looks like Cuba, 
not like the uh, failed one in the Soviet Union or the present one in uh, Vietnam, North Korea, or uh, China. It's our way of doing. So let's go to the first question. Yeah. Well, um, the lineamientos, the constitution, and may I add, please, the code of families. That yes, was a yes. very important way of participation that just concluded in a referendum in September of last year. Okay. Well, in each of these cases, the population debated the drafts of each of these three documents. We're going to concentrate in these three documents at public meetings and uh, inside organizations. Now, the results, the outcomes of these discussions were used to remake, to upgrade each of these documents. Believe me, Kevin, all of them will remake completely after yeah. these debates. Um, in the case of the lineamientos, um, uh, it was not debated by all the population. It was debated by the members of the party and the grassroots organizations, but the constitution of 2019 and the code of families of 2022 um, were debated by all the population and then um, uh, submitted to a referendum. You cannot imagine how many versions the lineamientos, the constitution and the code of families had. Well, only talking about the code of families, it had 25 versions. And so we voted, the ones that we voted for in 2022 was the version number 25. So the way in which we, we, we do these things, we debate them publicly. Um, and then the, the specialists who have made up these documents will remake them to look like, like the debates were, uh, took place. Yeah. Uh, I, I, what else would you like me to do after, to, to, to finish this question? Um, well, I think that was that was very good. I, I, I think this is uh, uh, I think that was good for this question. I, I saw I, I saw through my research there's uh, uh, thousands and thousands of, of opinions recorded or even hundreds of thousands and thousands of amendments and it's a completely different constitution after all of the uh, after all of the consultations, right? Now, now there is something important. After each of these uh, new documents were adopted, they are still being uh, upgraded. Yeah, they are still being upgraded. In the case, for example, of the Constitution, it changed so many things um, related to the previous Constitution, which was from 1976. By the way, this. The Constitution of 2019 is our eighth Constitution since the independent war against Spain started in 1868. Right. Yeah. So it's not that the state that it has alone. We, this is the eighth version. Yeah. So they had, the, and also these last Constitution of the present Constitution of 2019 removed and renewed so many things that all the different codes of law ha are being changed, still are being changed. So this is a very, um, a very difficult process of changing uh, all the laws in terms of, of uh, for example, I'll give you a very good example. Um, the, um, uh, these last code of families approved or legalized the same-sex marriage. Yeah. As you may know, we have a highly patriarchal society with its ugly face, the 
homophobia, lesbianphobia, phobia to all the LGBTQ plus members of society. It is very much embedded in every Cuban. So in the constitution of 2019, in the draft that we all discussed all over 2018, there was an article legalizing same-sex marriage, but the debates, in the debates, one-fourth of those who participated in the debate said no to that article. So the specialist who remade the Constitution, the last version, the ones that we voted for in a referendum in 2019, had to uh, put seven different articles struggling against homophobia and lesbianphobia, <clears throat> giving the rights to all people not to and struggling against any sort of discrimination against his people, seven articles, but not legalizing same-sex marriage. When did we do this? Last September, 2022, when we voted in a referendum for the Code of Families, which legalizing same-sex marriage. You know what happened? One third of the persons who voted for this, for this Code of Families were against it because of this only article. Although the Code of Families covers everything, Kevin, everything um, yeah. updating the Cuban families. So you see, this is something that e has even been taken into consideration. Yeah. Wow, I see. Um, I think we can move on to the second uh, question. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, you... you briefly mentioned the role of uh, these uh, grassroots organizations uh, in, in, in this whole process. Uh, in Helen Yaffe's book, We Are Cuba, How yes. Revolutionary People Survived in a Post-Soviet World, uh, she argues that people's councils, uh, mass organizations, and political participation at the municipal level uh, played a really important role during the special period and throughout the 21st century to help uh, the Cuban revolution survive through these uh, uh, difficult times. Uh, what are your experiences oh, with these people's councils and mass organizations and the municipal politics and uh, how have they helped uh, the Cuban revolution survive through such harsh periods as the special period and re most recently COVID? Well, uh, they really they really had a, a big participation and they really helped. But Kevin, they have been constantly being changed to right. really uh, to really confront the new things that are coming out. So there's a need to constantly upgrade the ways of participation of these uh, people's councils, mass organization, municipal politics, not only that, of all politics and all the economy in Cuba. Because if we don't change, um, it would first, if, we, if the problems don't, don't, co don't come out, we won't be able to solve them. Uh, so uh, it's a need to constantly bring out the problems. Uh, mistakes, the obstacles. Uh, no, and also, it's not only to survive the revolution, it's to develop also the revolution. Because develop Cuba, we cannot just live in surviving, we have to develop ourselves. So in the special period, I remember Fidel at the beginning in 1991 said, we have to survive and develop. I thought he's crazy because we're in such a hole after the Berlin Wall fell, after the Soviet Union became the Russian Federation in 1991, how are we going to develop? And we did, we right. did. 
uh, at the end, um, tourism was incorporated and uh, joint ventures were incorporated too. And uh, so these were the things, mainly tourism, that were the engines that took us out of these uh, enormous crises that we were going through. And the majority of these um, incomes were used to promote, to uh, develop the biotechnology, pharmaceutical uh, drugs based on biotechnology. These institutions were promoted during these, uh, even in constructed during these period. Now, what was the uh, the the role of these uh, mass organizations, people's council, municipal politics? Just simply say how the country was working and where were the mistakes were, and what 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 we what was needed, which is not yet a complete way of doing these things. This is something that has to be also uh, upgraded a participation of all these different councils. And uh, I don't know if you want anything else from, from this, but this is something that has to be, for example, in these last uh, elections of uh, the, the last elections that we have of the delegates, yeah. we had a lot of elections during the last uh, year. Among them, the la latest, two latest one was first electing the uh, delegates to each of the, our constituency, which at the same time um, create the delegates to the municipal councils and then yeah. uh, uh, the, the deputies or the members of parliament. Right. So this was an enormous participation process. And um, also it's uh, something that has been very much stressed is the need that this grassroots delegates, we call them delegados de circunscripción, delegates, yeah. have to have their ears uh, on, uh, to the population to listen what they're saying and solving it, what, because a blockade will never end. We have to continue developing ourselves with the blockade. This is not going to go. Uh, so we have to do it with our own uh, ways of doing it, of course, with the uh, participation from the top down. Remember, top down, bottom up process. If this doesn't work, it won't work. So this is something that's being stressed, this being underlined. The need to, of, from the president of the republic to the um, members of parliament, to the ministers, to the um, governors, everyone has to go, have to go to their places where they were um, elected and, and talk to the people. No, mm -hmm. every once in a month, they have to go there. Yeah. So this is a way in which it is being, uh, it's a way in which we have survived. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you something that maybe you're very young, maybe you don't know this, but, um, during the crisis of the 90s, wait, I have to drink a little water. Yes. During the crisis of the 90s, there were things that we, the social scientists, which are member, who are members of the civil society, um, didn't acknowledge because, well, this is a social, going to be a socialist society. There will not be any sort of problem. So <clears throat> problems that we didn't want to see came up, like 
homophobia came up, violence against women came up, inequality came up, racism came up. So these were things that had to be uh, confronted, but only during the last 30 years. So to see it's something that comes out constantly, constantly, constantly coming out. Right. So it's it's always constantly developing. And with a need of participation from the top down and from the bottom up. Right, yeah. That's a key. That's a key because if you only have grassroots movements, no, nothing will nothing will change. Very few things will change. Right. So um that's perfect. And now uh this kind of transitions well after talking about all of the people's councils and uh, the top-down, bottom-up uh, process that we have. Um, we know that despite uh, so much progress already for women since the revolution, such as uh, the new family code, uh, public health care benefits, uh, making most of the workforce, as the article you wrote um, that I've read on the uh, on women working in the revolution, especially in the health sector. There's still a lot to work. There's still a lot of work to do when it comes to uh, of general uh, gender equality in Cuba. The ones I can think of, as you already mentioned, uh, there is still a very strong uh, machismo uh, and also uh, a double burden uh, that um, mm -hmm. women have, uh, especially during the pandemic of the workload and having to still take care of the family as it's still a norm um, in Cuba, right? Um, and um, in the last 30 years, the special period, uh, the pandemic and the blockade, um, how, can you how can you speak on the importance of the FMC, the uh, Federation of Cuban Women, throughout the pandemic up until today? Um, when it comes to this process of top-down, bottom-up um, participation. In the case of women's advancement, let's say. Yes. In the, in the case of women's advance. Okay. Yes. And also, okay. what well, is there any other uh, organizations or uh, ways uh, other than the, uh, the Federation of Cuban Women to help advance women's rights? Yes, of course. Uh, it's not only the Federation of Cuban Women. It's all the all all the NGOs in Cuba that have uh, proliferated, that have multiplied. Uh, in case of women's studies groups, of women's NGOs, and uh, also very important during this uh, this pandemic process, um, there were seven different documents that were um, um, published or made up by the top, by the leadership to advance women. In many, in, there was a code of families. There was the program for advancement of women. There was the uh, upgrading of the maternity leave. Well, there were seven different documents that came out in 2021 in the midst of the pandemic. Um, I was uh, not very much for the name of advancement of Cuban women because I thought, well, we have advanced a lot, but no, it was yeah. wrong. We still had to advance in many things. For example, I'll give you an example of the second shift, the burden of the second shift. It's been always 
on the shoulders and the backs of Cuban women, of Cuban working women, not only Cuban women, Cuban working women, and Cuban professionals, which are the majority of the Cuban working women. The professionals are the majority of the Cuban working women. So we can be doctors, professors, uh, physicians, whatever, yeah. lawyers. We come back home, we have to do all the cleaning, all the laundry, yeah. all the cooking. And during the pandemic, this was very, very tiresome because uh, we had to stand in lines three, four, five hours every time to be able to buy uh, food, toiletries, and um, medicines, sometimes not knowing if we would be able to buy them or not. This was going on for three years. And also we had to, as in the confinement, we had to, um, the burden of, of take of, of, of the caregivers, the caregivers in the Cuban families are the women. So it was um, even stronger because the children in Cuba and March 2020 had to be confined at the homes. And so how was the learning? They had to change from, uh, from attending from pre-kindergarten to 12th grades uh, on weekdays from 8 in the morning to eight, uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon to sit at home watching TV classes, which were not interactive. They were one-way TV classes because we didn't have the um, infrastructure, the computer infrastructure. We have the brains to use the, the cell phones or computers, but we don't have the infrastructure in every home to do this. So it was very difficult. And the children, uh, these young and adolescents, um, couldn't ask their teachers couldn't ask their classmates. They had to ask their mothers and their, the members of the family who usually help them do homeworks, but not answer questions concerning geography, chemistry, whatever. So there were enormous gaps that when the schools reopened, the teachers are still trying to solve these gaps. So this was a very hard pro process for the women and also taking care of the elderly members of the population. Cuba has an enormously aging population. 23% right. of Cubans are 60 years and over, including the caregivers. So this was really something very tough. So what, why are men do, don't sharing the second shift? Well, I have two reasons for it. One, we have enormous shortages in our infrastructure. We have enormous shortages in our resources to do all these house chores, enormous. And secondly, and very important or more important than the first one is our homophobic uh, culture that it's very much embedded in all of us. Now, how do mothers, even the present time, how do mothers create this, this uh, men that are unable to do the second shift? When they have our children, when they have our sons, they don't train them to do house chores because they're afraid that their neighbors, if they see them doing all these house chores, they will label them as sissies, will bully them at schools, and then afterwards they will grow up as gays and will be discriminated. So how do we do this training? With the boys, once they finish their homework, go out, play baseball, play soccer, and fight back. It's very important in Cuba machismo to fight back, yeah. show that you're machos. For the girls, excel in your studies. That's why we have so many professionals, uh, Cuban prof women professionals. So when these kids grow up, they are not able 
to do all the cleaning, the laundry, the cooking with the little resources that we have. So that's in the hands of the women. So I think that we haven't been good enough in um, trying to, 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 to cross our good gender programs, our good programs for advancement of women to include the questions of masculinity. This is something that we have to uh, focus on. Right. So change men's ways of of doing things. Yeah. So has the the Federation of uh, Cuban Women or any other organizations uh, brought this up at all? Have they? Have... Oh my God! Yes, they're doing it. Well, first of all, we have to give them the uh, the the medal for being the first way back in 1960 wow. to okay. begin. Yeah the progress of women i mean without the, that history we we won't be like we are now so they had they had the medal for that now as the, the society, we we have 64 years of revolution as the society was changing uh and women becoming more and more into the workforce uh, thanks to the federation but thanks to a very holistic program that was not only done by the Federation of Cuban Women, but done by all the political system in Cuba. It's a program for to fight against women's discrimination, which meant first letting us be equal to men and then letting us simply surpass them. This is a program that started 64 years ago, has never stopped, covers all the sectors of the of, of Cuba from the economy, the politics, the social policies, the culture, everything, the legality, everything. So it has never stopped. So since, let's say, the crisis of the night, it's, it's not only the Federation of Cuban Women. It's all the different uh, grassroots organizations, NGOs from uh, that, that are dealing with the women's questions and the LGBTQ plus questions. The question of gender relations in Cuba, not only women, gender relations in Cuba. So, but we are lacking the question of how addressing uh, very well the, the problem of men don't participate, don't, that don't participate in the right, house, yeah. in the double. Yeah, and we can see that it's it, as it's always still developing this top-down, bottom-up process. I think the, the the family code has some some uh, some parts that do address this. I think. Well, there was. I'll tell you how this was in the equity question. That is the le legal question of the old family code of 1975. That was a very progressive code way back in 1975. That included two articles read to every couple that was being legally married in Cuba. These two articles said, both members of the couple have to share house chores. No way, it wasn't done. It, I'll tell you about another example, the, the, the maternity leave. Maternity leave was uh, installed in Cuba in 1974. Uh, Cuban uh, women workers had three months of paid leave, their jobs were kept, okay. This maternity leave was uh, extended to six months in 1993 because we were in the midst of, a, of, the, of the special period of the crisis. Yeah. So the working women were paid the leave and the job was crept. Now, 2003, listen to this, Kevin, 2003, we're still in a crisis. So 
the maternity leave was extended to one year of paid leave and the job was cut with the following nuance. The father or the mother can take the leave however they want. They can take it one or the other each month, each week, whatever they want. You know, this is legal. You know how many Cuban fathers have taken that leave since 2003? 27, not percentage. One, two, three, up to 27 fathers. No. Uh, so it's, it's a problem that we have to change. It's, it's a, and, and one of the things that has not helped this is that we haven't had a mandatory sexual education program in the schools in Cuba. We had a very good sexual education program at the end of the 70s, but it was not mandatory. So the teachers didn't teach them because they thought it was a, um, unnecessary and even immoral. So there was no teaching of sexual education program, although it was very good. 2011, it became mandatory. It's a very good sexual education program. But still in the midst of the pandemic, when we had the worst year, 2021, an upgraded um, sexual education program was created. But it hasn't been, we haven't been able to introduce it yet because first, the teachers haven't been trained and Secondly, and most important, we have no paper to print the textbooks. And all these sexual education programs, it's not just the biological way of, of creating a baby. No, no, no. It covers everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything. Including a participation of, 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 of both members of a couple of the parents of, of, right. of men and women. Yeah. And so the... you see it's. And, and I'm, I'm assuming the 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 all of these uh, NGOs and the Federation of Cuban Women of the Federation of Cuban Women has a big role in promoting these and uh, pushing for. Yes, yes. If, if there's a, for example, there's a a very bright, I would say, uh, Cuban uh, PhD. The uh, professor at the University of Havana, Mahela Romero, uh, she uh, heads, um, let's say, uh, uh, and then not an NGO. She heads a group of persons uh, um, who are um, are taking care, who are, uh, and not only making scientific research on how to solve the question of the caregivers in Cuba, because remember. We are the caregivers, not only for the children, but for the elderly members of yeah. the population. Yeah. So she has multiplied this, uh, this uh, organization, but very intelligently, this is an activism that not only concerns professors from the universities, but it concerns, it includes the Federation of Cuban Women, which also is included and promotes it and fosters it. It includes the Minister of Labor. It includes the Minister of Public Health, the Minister of Education. And they just ended on the 27th of April at the University of Havana, a workshop to talk about these things. But after doing a lot of, 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 of meetings, between scholars and uh, policymakers, of social policymakers, the, the the decision makers, because without that, you won't have it done. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's perfect. That was that was a very uh, whole uh, answer to the the question. Thank you very much. Um. 
now pretty much everybody can attest to how much the COVID-19 pandemic has affected our lives. We've uh, already talked about it uh, quite a bit. Um, uh, the pandemic was obviously especially difficult for the Cuban people. Uh, and we saw so uh, during, when their frustrations were, were seen uh, in the July 2021 uh, brief protests. Um, uh -huh. How has the pandemic affected this process? So uh, uh, you've already answered this question a lot that this the process is always evolving and it evolves even more through the pandemic. Um, how much how much adapting has been needed to adjust to the new reality of co of the pandemic? Well, uh, the I don't know if you noted that uh, during the pandemic, that is from March 2020 to today, um, the 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 meager, the feeble. Uh, uh, let's say, um, budget of the state has been focused mainly to take care of the population during the pandemic, to prevent, yeah. to control the pandemic among the population, and most importantly, to create and produce the three anti-COVID vaccines. Yeah, yeah. The three Cuban anti-COVID vaccines. We are ironclad. We've received already since the summer of 2021, um, one complete dose of the anti-COVID Cuban vaccines. They, these were three shots that were given by the at the family doc, at the family doctor's uh, level, and uh, one and one and the second booster shot. We just had the second booster shot well, one week ago, so we're ironclad. It's and it's a population is from ninety-five percent of Cuban population from two years up are completely. Uh, vaccinated with the program of the Cuban anti-COVID. So this was an example of not only grassroots organizations participated, not only NGO, but a participation of the decision makers from the government, from the research centers, from all the mass organizations, uh, from everyone to just take care of the population, to prevent it, all these people that, for example, workers in tourism, they couldn't, there was no tourism in Cuba. So the, uh, the guides in tourism, the drivers, they all worked for the people who were confined in the homes, in the hospitals. Uh, for example, the drivers took them uh, to the hospital, the sick people to the hospital. So everyone participated Everybody contributed. in that. Yes, and there was a participation of, so this is a model that must be used in our economy, which is not working well. The Cuban economy at this point has a lot of problems. A lot, uh, it has to do with the blockade, but also it has to do with our own mistakes. So this is something that, for example, Diaz Canel is, 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 is he's, a, he's a PhD. He's a PhD in, in, in communications engineering. So he knows, he wants to make Cuba a highly, <clears throat> Uh, use of, of, of high technology in every field and to connect the researchers at the universities, at the research centers, with the decision makers and with the producers of whatever is needed to um, have a better sugar harvest, which is horrible, yeah. or sugar harvest, which I'm worse, and to perfection tourism, perfection everything. 
So the model of how we did with the participation of everyone, and of course the budget, to um, struggle the pandemic, to create and produce the, the vaccines, to vaccinate all the population, is an example that can be done. If we did it under the blockade, it was terrible those years, you know, these three years have been even terrible with the blockade. So we did it and we did it. So we have to apply it in other parts. For example, the energy system at this point is in a mess. The energy system is in a mess. We are having once more um, uh, blackouts because the energy plants are very, very old, very old. And uh, they need to be completely renovated, completely renovated. And, and they're using the cubanol, which is very heavy with sulfur. So this uh, cubanol with sulfur blocks the arteries of these uh, um, energy plants. So it's very, they have to be constantly repaired, 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 not renewed, and these, repaired. Yeah, and this, this problem has been, uh, obviously as me, the, the president Miguel Diaz-Canel is a electrical engineer, he has addressed this problem from so this is an example of for example the leadership uh addressing these yes. problems yes 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 and uh, so it's it's something that and all these uh questions of the of the uprisings that we had on the, on 11th of July of 2021 of course uh there were many things that the protesters said that were real questions real problems they were real problems but the the cruel participation, let's say about, remember I told you about participation yeah. has to be with an adjective, the external participation of, of, uh, of people against the revolution from the United States and from Europe and from Spain was horrible through the internet. Yeah. It was horrible and, and and it was very well explained in the blowback series that yeah. I participated with Helen Jeffrey and with uh, and with uh, the, the Cuban American lawyer. So um, this was something that was exacerbated. The, these problems were exacerbated, but these problems came out and they had to be solved. So this was a good part of that of those protests. Right, uh, and so this also uh, transitions perfectly. Uh, since we're talking about the protests of July, uh, it really much, it, it, from what I read and from what I've listened to, it really came as a shock to Cuba uh, because they're yes. they're very unprecedented to have such protests uh, because historically there's always been overwhelming support for the Cuban government and the Cuban revolution. Yes. So have public De protests or demonstrations at all ever had a place in Cuban politics? Uh, why are no, before, why not? Before that, before, before that, no, like those, like those. No, I can't remember. I, I am I'm seventy six years old and I've lived here <laughs> all my life. I can't right. remember of having like those. Uh, but uh, it was not just because there's a way of of channeling all the all the the problems and all the things that we don't like that are being coming out there's a pro there's a way of channeling through the uh, popular these municipal uh, levels of the popular power or through the mass organizations or simply uh, even in the press 
which is not completely open, but it's it, it, there's an open there are open windows to protest in the in the in the mass media, right. but like that, no. And it was something strange, Kevin, that there was a they were sort of triggered at the same time in different parts of the country, and also there was after that immediately that same day. They had repercussions in many mainstream media all over the world oh, yeah. with fake with fake photographs. And that was proof. I cannot prove it because I'm not an expert. I'm completely analogical. But many uh, experts in questions concerning media and the use of, of the Internet prove that they were uh, repeated by um they, they were repeated by by means of 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 of, of algorithms, oh, not yeah, by means yeah. of, of of the real people of real people. Yeah, and not even with real images of the of the the protests. No, they used images no. from all over from no, other other no. protests. And you know, for example, we um, when you asked me for this interview several months ago. You asked me, are we celebrating the first of uh, first of yeah, May? Of yeah. course, we have always celebrated the first of May, and uh, but this year it was a very intelligent way of postponing. First, uh, not first. The first decision was we don't have oil. We don't have, and we have problems with the oil. It's 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 a crisis that we're going through now. We have no problem. No, 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 not sufficient oil. So um, we won't have, there were not, the, 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 the program was completely changed, not the mass demonstrations in the Revolutionary Square in, in, the, in Havana or in the different provinces, which are huge, always have been huge, but do them locally, do them locally. Now, what happened? The 1st of May was a, a, a Monday. The Sunday before, there was a terrible storm, a oh. terrible storm. There was a perfect storm here in Havana and then and, and, and little by little in all of Cuba right. that was uh, that destroyed many things. So immediately it was said the first of May will, will be postponed to the fifth of May, which is next Friday. But locally, just locally. Because we don't have solved the question of the uh, of energy and mainly of the of the oil of the oil for of the gas for for the for the for transporting people, it's it's impossible. Yeah. Right. And did you know that the fifth of May, the fifth of May, which is this lab, uh, the, the the day was postponed, yeah. is the two hundred and fifth anniversary of the birth of Karl Marx. Oh, yeah, I, I remember. He was born in 1818. Yeah. He was born in 1818, five, the 5th of March. So it's uh, it's uh, something also to honor him. Right. Oh, I, I'll, I'll remember that, too. <laughs> um, so we already talked about uh, we already talked about all of these flaws um and the mistakes that you may that the, the cuban revolution may have made throughout the years uh-huh um yes. and as uh, I, I wrote here that Raul castro in uh, january of 2012 he uh stated that the revolution is imperfect just as people are imperfect because uh you know, humans make errors um 
and I'm sure uh, Miguel Diaz-Canel has also uh, admitted this as well. What are some shortcomings or flaws in this uh, process of top-down, bottom-up uh, political participation uh, that you have seen? What kind of errors might uh, Presently. Castro... Presently or historically? Um, Presently or historically? Can you give because both? Fidel had had a lot. Fidel had a lot. Was that the 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 best self criticism of what's going wrong in the revolution was made by Fidel constantly. Yes. Constantly, constantly. Oh. So that was something uh, that that did not start with Raúl. It's something that in the history of Cuba has uh, has always been in the top leadership, always has been in the top leadership. And but uh, let's go to the what's happening now, okay? Yeah. What's happening uh, now? Uh, what's happening now is there is a need to uh, change the way that the parliament is working. The parliament is uh, the first good change is that they're more and more little by little since the elections for the members of the parliament since 2008, more and more women are included in the parliament. That's the yeah. first big change. Yeah. At this point, after the elections, which were very, very super, it was about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, 55% of all the parliament members are women. Yeah. This is an affirmative action from the top down because women didn't want to be members of the parliament because we're exhausted. Yeah. Uh, we're already professionals. We are working in our jobs. We're decision-making at our jobs. So being a member of the parliament at any level, the municipal, the local, whatever, or the national, would yeah. be a third shift. Because, so at this a, is at something a of, that because at a lot of levels, it's not... Uh, being part of the government is not the only job you have. It's a separate from your own professional job, right? Uh, no, it's not paid. You're not paid for yeah, being exactly. that. Okay. You have yeah. to continue working. So yeah. it's, a, it's a third gift. So we didn't want to be members of it. So little by little, the those persons who, who composed, who made up the candidates list for which we voted, included more women than men. So little by little since 2008, the percentage of women rose up to the present 55%. And Kevin, this is very important because case studies showed in Cuba since the 90s that women are better managers when they have a leading post at the job, which we don't want either. But when we yeah. get to a leading post, we're better than men. We're better organized things because we have higher levels of education that men were much more professionals than men. And also the horrible, the terrible second shift makes us be multitasked. We have to organize every single moment since we get up in the morning until we drop dead at night while men are one task at a time. So we're better at the leading post. So that's why one of the things that has changed, the other important thing that has changed or will change or is changing is that the delegates at the grassroots level, at the, at the um, uh, we say circumscription, you said the constituency level, have to um, participate with the people to bring out the problems and solve the problems locally yeah. with the resources that they have at hand. Yeah. Of course, counting with the government, with the municipal government, because it's not just, uh, I mean, we cannot do, we cannot pave 
a road uh, by ourselves. We have to have the uh, the uh, resources coming from the from the government, from the municipal government. Uh, we cannot um, uh, work out better uh, plumbing or better uh, if we don't sell in the stores the things for plumbers to change the plumbings in the homes. Yeah. Or we cannot have uh, water if the institute of uh, if the minister of of of, um, of water doesn't do the right work. So these are two main things that I think that have changed today. But self criticism has been a a quality of the leadership since Fidel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, so what would you like to add that I didn't answer? Um, well, I, th I think that was, a, that, that was good. I, I think uh, for now, that's okay. I think I, I think I think I can move on to the next question. Okay. Okay. So, um, I can't, we can't talk about uh, how the pandemic affected uh, Cuban democracy um, without discussing the new role of social media in in Cuban politics. Uh, and so that brings uh -huh. me to talk about the youth um, and uh, a big part that I will be addressing in my podcast about uh, political participation is that the youth of a population is always uh, a big part of the population that most shapes the ideas and social movements of the time uh, that we live in. And a fear that is really common in really all of society in the world today is that uh, there's a lot of factors like social media and uh, environmental disasters, the cl uh, climate change that cause uh, this younger generation to be completely disinterested uh, in part participating in social movements or participating in politics or in their lives in general. Uh, so in uh -huh. Cuba, uh, does the participatory process, uh, does the, the Cuban uh, top-down, bottom-up process have to adapt to young, the younger generation that uh, might be uh, increasingly online? or affected by social media and our social movements and participatory politics under threat in Cuba for these same reasons? Uh, is, is this a threat? Uh, and what are some hopes and fears that you do have when you observe the current Cuban youth? Well, from my point of view, there are many people, even people in the, in the decision makers, among decision makers that fear this threat. I don't fear the threat. And there are many decision makers that don't fear this threat. On the other side, they promote this threat because it's needed. Now, one third of the present parliament are people under 35 years of age. So it, it's important for them to be there. It's a very important. They were very young, even in the in the Council of States, which is highest echelon of power, and uh, even the leading the leaders of of Cuba at this point, uh, their age is around forty seven years of age, which is the average age of the Cuban population at this time. They were not born. They were they were not born before nineteen fifty nine. They don't. Uh, form part of the generation of Fidel or Raul, the, another generation. Yeah. Now, what happens to the youth today presently? Well, the youth today presently is com 
completely different from my youth when I was 12 years old in 1959. It's completely different. It's completely different from the youth of the 80s. It's completely different from the youth of the 90s. They want more. And, and they all have, well, let's say 80% of Cubans have cell phones and access to internet. Yeah. So they are... Uh, uh, they are are, are 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 covered by all this uh, the media the the entertainment media and mainly the political media against the revolution that is very well orchestrated that attracts the youth and also cabin by the american dream yeah yeah cuba has always had an american dream present because we're very near them and our relations cultural relations with the united states have been very, very near for for centuries. So the 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 biggest part of the migrate migrations, the Cuban migrants are concentrated in the United States, in Florida, and in Miami-Dade County. So yes, many, many, many young men are leaving the country after the 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 borders opened in October 2021 of all the countries and the United States. Yeah. From then up to February of this year, 324,000 Cubans have left Cuba for the United States, mostly young people and mostly men. Now, I think, and uh, although we haven't had this um, case studies or studies about the who they are completely, we just know that the number of, of them, that they're men and they're young, that's all we know. But I believe that they left because of uh, they cannot fulfill their dreams, their aspirations, which are very high in a Cuba in crisis. But their aspirations are having a home of their own, having a car of their own, yeah. having a salary with their, for their employment and consuming much more than we can consume in Cuba. Now, if you ask this, um, these uh, young people, persons under 35 who have left the country in the last two years and a half or a year and a half. Why? Uh, who were their parents and mainly who were their grandparents? You would see that their grandparents or their great-grandparents were very poor people. So they have been benefited by, by in sociologists say, an upward social mobility. Yeah, yeah. They can be professionals. They can have uh, finished their high school. There can be um, blue-collar uh, workers, uh, um, uh, technically formed, but they cannot meet their enormous aspirations in a Cuban crisis. So they're leaving. They're simply leaving. And uh, so this is something that uh, the media in Cuba and the... Uh, the, 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 there's, there are a lot of grassroots participations or, or, or the, um, uh, in the media in Cuba composed by young, 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 young people, men and women at the same time, which are very, very intelligent ways of confronting in the media, in the web, on the web, confronting these questions. Right, yeah. Writing about things that have to be solved. And in the universities, in the schools, every in the in the in the young communist league, but also in other NGOs that have come out. There's a very important one called um, the red the red handkerchiefs, the ones that you put on your neck. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, the red handkerchiefs. Well, they're very good and they're very critical. And they have been invited, even accepted, and, and, and working with the Young Communist League, but they have want more participation, which I believe they're right to have more participation. So there's a lot of, of going out in the media. There's another very good, uh, good um, website called Latisa, the shop, chalk, the chalk that you use for the, for the boards, to write on the boards. Um, the Latisa is a very good also. Right. And uh, so they're, they're doing it. And there are a lot of young, of young, uh, uh, young people who are taking over important leadership in the research centers, in the social, uh, let's say, in the, in the social scientist institution at the research centers. They're taking over the heads, are heading these new research centers. And that's very important. Or the uh, newspapers. That's very important. The, that, the national or the local newspapers. And for me, that's very important. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're still very, uh, would you say you're still very hopeful for the Cuban youth when yes. you see this, this high level of... Yes, 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 yes. They, these new Cuban leaderships knows the, the, the country better than the old leadership because they, 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 they were brought up since uh, 1960. Yeah, since after the revolution. So they know, they know the cohorts, the new cohorts. Their children are part of those cohorts. If they're 60 or they're 50-something or they're 40-something, their children are attending now the universities and they are criticizing everything that has to be criticized. Right. And even... So they have it, they have this information firsthand. Mm-hmm. And so even uh, the current president Miguel Diaz Canel, he would be part of uh, part of this uh, cohort that was born after uh, 1960, right? I think he was born exactly in 1960. Right. He's now 63 years old. I think. I'm not sure because this is not not something public or something. It's very private. But I think he was born in 1960. Right. Okay. Well, that, that perfectly answers uh, the question, I think. Um, there was one more thing that, uh, well, that, that's it for the questions I have right now, but there was one more thing that, would, that I kind of wanted to revisit, and that's the concept uh -huh. of um, this, the, the people's councils. I'm not sure what, yes. if that's the right way to name it and uh organize yes. organization at this local level um can you give yes. more details of how this works maybe an example of um these municipal councils of like a representative consulting with people's councils how does this dynamic work at a local well level? first of all how they are elected they're elected by uh the the people who are forming who are living there yeah, they're yeah. elected by the people, the local people. Now, uh, how do we elect them? We elect them by their biographies. We elect them by who they are. Now, we, we test them. We test them. We really uh, evaluate them while they are leading us or they're taking care of all the things at the, uh, at the grassroots level. Yeah. Now, 
up to now, they haven't been very effective. I have to be very honest with that. They haven't been effective. They just were sorts of, of persons who simply channeled the problems, didn't solve the problem. Right. So now there is the need for these persons to, not only these persons, for all the municipal councils which have budgets, which have not only the delegates from the uh, constituencies, but also have the administrative uh, persons, they can use their budget to decide where to solve the problems. So it's a local question. We have to go more into the communities, which was not the case. Kevin, we were a highly centralized country up to yeah. the 90s. Yeah, I remember. So this question of, yes, this question of decentralization yeah, is yeah. something quite new. It's only in the last 20 years. So we're, we've made a lot of mistakes. So it's, a, it's not a must that the communities have to work. We have to co-focus on the communities working like, they should do the um, representatives of the of the constituencies at the municipal level have to present their pro the problems that the populations have have uh, pointed out and and they have jointly to to solve them but with the money with the budget with the resources that they have at the municipal level if they, they don't have the resources they have to ask them from the provincial from the governors mm -hmm. so from um so it was so this process at a local level is still kind of new uh because it was yeah uh, because no, this in practice it's new it should right. have been like that always but it didn't work like that. i'm going right. to put you in a very near a near a very present example okay yeah during the last month the the lines the queues to buy gas have been enormous, enormous. They for, for for kilometers, for blocks, for blocks and blocks, and people are suffering from that. Yeah. And so, there was a delegate, a simple delegate from a constituency in one of the neighborhoods in Plaza. Plaza Vedado is a, it's a, it's where the many ministries are. It's it's an, it, it, okay, one of yeah. the central parts of Havana. So this guy. This delegate, who has been a delegate for several periods, for many years, organized the queue in a gas station in such a way that the, um, the so-called coleros, coleros, this is a word in a very Cuban word, it means professional line makers who are really um, uh, criminals. <laughs> oh, okay. They, they ask for money. He, he said in the TV, this person, this delegate said in the TV, they were, I, we found one of them uh, that had a list of 120 persons and he sold, he sold for 2,000 pesos the, um, the 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 coming before in the line before the people who were standing in the line, so he became almost rich in one day. So you see, he, the, the, this person was not. I don't know if he was put into. I don't think he was uh, put into court or something like that. He just denounced it because this is something that's happening all over Cuba. So, with his way of organizing the queues to buy gas, 
this was generalized all over Cuba so to take this experience into consideration. So there is a way of now organizing the queues better than it was before. So you see the grassroots, but it was taken by the top and uh, sort of, of expanded, of, 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 of communicating it to all Cuba. Right. This right. is very recent. This was, he came out on TV uh, five days ago. Wow, okay, yeah, it was a very recent example. Um, yeah, because I, I, I did, uh, in, in Helen Yaffe's book, she did say that uh, Raul, Raul Castro uh, did address this uh, centralization issue and that he wanted to um, <clears throat> start this process of decentralization. Uh, and so that's still very recent and we can see examples of it. Of course. And it has given place to lots of pro problems of corruption. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's not easy. It's not easy, Kevin, when you have a highly centralized a process for 30 more years, almost 40 years to decentralize it, it's, uh, it takes time. And, and we've taken time to do this under the embargo. Please, uh, I won't talk about the embargo. You know the embargo better than I do, but we have been living under the embargo, under the blockade for 64 years, my God. And I'm an atheist, but by God, we haven't, <laughs> my God, we haven't been living by under the, the blockade for 64 years, which is horrible. And after Trump's, it became even harder. Yeah, and, and with Biden, even harder. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, uh... yeah. Um... It's ridiculous, but we acknowledge, and the president just said so yesterday evening in a, in a, in a meeting with uh with representatives from all the world who came to the to the first of May demonstration, he said, "We are going to continue living under the embargo, so we have to do this with the embargo or not." And we've done it. Look, yeah. I'll give you an example, which is in the economy. Up to in 1958, what was our main export? Our only export, sugar. Yeah. In December 2019, which were our exports first? Uh, professional services abroad, mainly physicians, mostly women, sports trainers, professors. I was one of these professors who went out. Uh, <laughs> secondly, uh, tourism. Tourism needs a lot of professionals. So that was the second uh, uh, export. You have to consume it here in Cuba, but you Canadians came, came here a lot. So our company, yeah, yeah. you are our first source of tourism, tourists. And thirdly, pharmaceutical products some biotechnology. So yeah. there was a change in the economy, in the economic structure of ex exports under the embargo, under the blockade. So we can do it. Yeah, there's so many different ways that you've, you've been able to adapt uh, despite... But it's very difficult. difficult. Uh, yeah. It's, it's very, very difficult, difficult, Kevin. Yeah. Okay, well, this is... Uh, I I've, I've have everything I think I need for the for the interview itself so i'm going to stop recording right now uh thank you okay thank you so so much uh for for your time uh for the interview uh this should help uh immensely it should help a lot for my for my project oh 
thank you, Kevin. Thank you. And and once you have it, and once you have the podcast complete, could you send me a the 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 link to it so I can I can listen to it? Yes, of course. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to to send it me before doing it. No, no, no. I just want the link of the final podcast. Yes, I will. I, I was going to ask. So I can keep it. Yeah, I was going to okay. ask you uh, when I'm when I'm finished if you wanted the final product uh, at the end. Of course, the final product. No more consultation. <laughs> no more consultation. You can you can do whatever you want with what I've said, but okay. just I want the link to to put it in my files. Okay. Okay, I will send that to you when I'm done. It should be uh, the by the 18th of May. The final product will be will be finished. Will be published. Oh, you're quick. Uh, <laughs> you're yeah. Quick. I I'm trying my best. <laughs> right, so I'll I'll stop recording right now, but I still have a few questions on my own after this. Okay. Okay, so sorry. So I, I keep on or I keep uh, yeah, on or yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, just for just for a sec after. Okay. okay.